Welcome to the Clear the Shelf podcast with Chris and Chris, the show that meets at the intersection of education and entertainment to discuss online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, wholesale, and all facets of selling on Amazon. We'll bring you news, tactics, strategies, insights, stories, and interviews to help you grow your Amazon business. And now, here are your hosts, Chris Grant and Chris Rasick. What's up, Amazon sellers, and welcome back to the Clear the Shelf podcast with myself and my pecunious co-host, Chris Rasick. This week, we'll be talking about capital, uh, and the adjective this week is actually apropos because pecunious means wealthy or with a lot of money. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Spread uh, more lies. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about capital this week we're going to be talking about where to get it how to make more of it and why you need to try to keep as much of it as you can obviously but before we dive in you know the drill we have spent a grand total of several minutes preparing for this episode for you people uh, so i'd like to propose a little bit of a gentleman's agreement if you get a nugget or two of info that can help you and your Amazon business from this episode or any of the up other episodes that you've watched, please take a moment and hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. Now, we're not able to track who actually does this, but if we ever meet in person, we'll know. So hit subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. So Chris, what's going on this week, man? How you been? doing good it's uh it, it feels like the january is 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 finally uh shaken off a little bit mm -hmm. um th there's always a period uh like late january early february for me that it's like it's like that st uh stick figure drawing where he's he's poking it with a stick and it's like come on <laughs> amazon do, do, do something. something you know it's like you're tapping your phone like this is on right um yeah, and part of that is getting spoiled. You know, you just kind of wake up to some massive numbers through Q4, and and uh, uh, the decompression could be a little bit shocking. But uh, at least to me, it feels like we're we're moving out of that period, which uh, I am happy about. I would agree. You know, you you get I don't know Q4 is it's a magical time, and then you immediately have to take it on the chin with returnuary. Uh, sourcing, you know, at the end of January and into February can be a little bit slow because, you know, there's, there are a couple of holidays, but I don't know, stores are like, they're in a, they're in an off cycle, you know, they've gotten through all their Q4 inventory, mm -hmm. you know, they've clearanced out stuff in January that was left over and we're just kind of waiting for all the spring stuff to go in. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of people be like, you know, it just seems a little bit flat right now. Uh, and, and it is, and it is every single year. And we've got such short memories that I think we forget. And we're like, oh crap, is this, are we ever going to turn a corner? And fortunately we always do. So, uh, yeah. you know, <clears throat> I shared a, I shared a, a, a Twitter thread this week that I thought was going to be really, really good. Uh, and and it fell flat on its face, uh, unfortunately. But this week, it was actually yesterday, I absolutely destroyed my son in a game of horse. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was embarrassing. I was like, I was like, son, I know you're 10, 
but that was embarrassing <laughs> to get beat by your dad that bad. Um, and now <laughs> normally when we play horse, you know, I'm throwing it off the side of the house and, and, you know, trying to hit, hit a shot that way and, you know, rolling it down the roof and, and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but I went out and my son gets really hard on himself. And he's like, uh, he's like, I'm rusty. I haven't, you know, I haven't played in two days. I, I can't get my shot right. And so I said, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, we're going to play a game of horse. I said, but I said, afterwards, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Okay. And he's like, he's like, all right. So every single shot was a bank shot. Okay. I used the backboard every single shot, uh, no layups. Uh, I was usually within 10 to 20 feet uh, for a, for a little jumper. Mid range game. Love it. Yeah. Mid range game. You know, exactly. Playing, playing ball in the late 90s and early 2000s. It was right where you went for, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he was so, he was pissed, man. He was so <laughs> mad at me. He was like, how come you're using the backboard? You're cheating. You're cheating. And so afterwards, I'm like, dude, I'm like, here's the thing. I said, it's scientifically proven that from these certain areas, if you use the glass, you've got a 20% greater chance of the ball going in. And he's like, he's like, that's, he's like, that's not true. So I showed him the article that I read and I was like, it is. And it's backed up here. It was, I think it was a UC Berkeley study or something. And he's like, okay. And he's like, all right. He's like, so he's like, what are, he's like, what are these lessons? And I was like, one, I was like, the only reason I could do that, as I said, mostly it's muscle memory. I said, I'm not athletic anymore. Like I used to be. And I'm like, but you know what I used to do is every single day after practice, after school, after work, I said I would do 50 layups, 50 free throws, 50 mid-range jumpers, uh, and uh, and things like that. And I said, and I did that over the course of like four or five years. And I was like, and it just becomes second nature eventually. Like you grow that muscle memory. Uh, and I was like, two, I was like, I don't even play basketball that much except for with you anymore. I said, but I'm still a student of the game. I'm like, I still, you know, will read articles about basketball. I will watch what guys in the NBA are doing or, or what, you know, people in college are doing. I, I watched almost all of all-star weekend this past weekend and noticed, you know, that what these guys were doing when they're just having fun is, you know, kind of the same thing you can do, uh, would you want to go practice? Uh, but anyway, the whole, the whole thing of it was, I think there are a lot of similarities between basketball and, and Amazon and a couple of them that I, I brought up to him. I was like, you know, one, I was like, you always got to be learning, you know, and then trying it out, iterating, you know, trying again. Uh, and I was like, two, I was like, dude, you got to get your reps in. I'm like, I tell you to do 50 free throws a day. And I said, if you do that for two, three, six months, I said, you'll shoot 80, 85% from the free throw line. Uh, and I think that's applicable to Amazon sellers as well. Uh, I don't think, especially newer sellers, at least the messages I've been getting recently, I can't find anything. And I'm like, you, you got to put in your reps first. I'm like, have you gone through a hundred? Mm-hmm. Have you gone through 200 or 500 listings to try to find something that's profitable? 
And usually it's, well, no, I spent about an hour. Uh, but anyway, that, that was the thread. I thought the thread really was, was going to hit and it absolutely fell on its face, but, uh, it was, it was good. nonetheless. That's the information that, that, you know, you you don't want to hear, you know, you you need to hear it, but you don't want to, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I actually, my son, um, I have a story I'm, uh, I've told it before and, and I, I'm positive. He hates it. Um, and I think he thinks I'm making fun of him when, uh, it's actually perfectly natural, but, uh, and he wanted to be an NBA player, you know, when, when he was 10 years old and, uh, and I asked him, I said, well, okay. I said, well, what's the plan? I mean, ha- you think in a practice dribbling with your left hand, how often, how many shots? I basically asked him all the questions that, you know, that, that you mapped out. Um, and he didn't have the answers to it. He, mm-hmm nor do I expect him to, you know, but the, the, the lesson, you know, the seed that I wanted to plant was, and, and this is where it applies to Amazon is, you know, if you, if you want to achieve levels above where you're at now, you have to think about what the steps are to, to take you there and what you're going to have to do to get there, which in a nutshell is this entire episode, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of the theme um, of what we're going to talk about. But, before we get into the meat of it, we we do have to talk about a, a certain uh, sneaker drop, right? We do. There there was a there there's a couple of pieces of news I wanted to bring up and 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 get some uh, get some reaction. And, and the first one is the sneaker drop heard around the world uh, this past week. Uh, now we need to preface this with we don't care what shade or stripe of politics you believe in all right this is just an interesting uh just an interesting thing that happened and it goes to show you that there is opportunity there's resale opportunities uh i mean it's almost limitless the resale opportunities that are out there but this past week uh donald trump whether you love him or hate him he went to a sneaker convention in uh i think it was philly um yeah i think it was philly and uh, he dropped a pair of shoes. Now, I've heard them called a lot of things, uh, you know, uh, the ugly stepchild of a, of a Jordan 1 uh, and, you know, uh, a gold toilet, which you might know Donald Trump had a gold <laughs> toilet in one of his, uh, one of his bathrooms at, at Trump Tower, I believe. At least all of I, his bathrooms, I believe. Yeah, I, I, I that's <laughs> what I remember from Cribs was his gold toilet more than anything else. Yeah. Um, but have you seen these shoes? Have you have you laid eyes on them? I did. Yeah, okay. I saw the 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 high top. I only got a yes. brief glimpse at the the cheaper model. But all yeah, right, I did see the high top. I'm gonna go ahead and pull them up on screen just so everybody can see them. These things there we go. are ugly as sin. I don't I don't care if you're a sneakerhead. <laughs> you know, they're just they're ugly. You know, they reminded me of something that uh, a boxer might wear, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in the ring, you know? Uh, and I was like, okay. Yeah. I was like, I, I get what they were going for. High top sneaker, ugly as all get out. And they retailed for 400 bucks. 399 is what he retailed them for. They were limited to a thousand pairs. Okay. Now, again, whether you love or hate the guy, the one thing that you cannot uh, discount is the fact that he has a rabid fan base. Okay. Now, who knows how much of, of the country is a, is a fan of Donald Trump, but the people who are fans 
seem to be willing to spend money on just about anything. These shoes included, they sold out very quickly. Um, if Trump said it, I'm sure that they sold out faster than any shoe has sold out ever before in the history of mankind is what he might say. All right. Uh, but I know that they did sell out. What's crazy to me is the resale value on these things. Hey guys, wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening to the Clear the Shelf podcast. My magnanimous co-host Chris Rasick has put together a gift for you for being a listener. It's called the Monthly Goal Tracking Spreadsheet and it's free. The spreadsheet will help you break down and track how much you've purchased, which should be a leading indicator of how much you will sell, and then you'll be able to track how much you've sold as well as your estimated monthly profit on a daily basis. This will all feed into the daily averages so you can ensure that you're on track to meet your goals each and every month. Grab it for free today over at cleartheshelf.com forward slash goal dash tracking. Thanks again for being a listener. Now back to the show. What I have seen on eBay as of today is a pair sold for $1,999 this morning. Uh, Benefits some charity. Yeah. There is another pair now, the eBay sold price says $4,547 or best offer. I have no idea whether that sold for the actual $4,000, if the person who bought it is actually going to, to pay for it uh, or, or what. Uh, but I've seen them all over the place. From that $4,000, I see $5,000. Uh, but this is crazy. And the lesson here is that when when stock is limited and this happens all over the place when stock is limited and you have a rabid fan base there's always going to be a market for resale uh this Donald Trump was was just a recent and egregious uh view into that there but you know Taylor Swift uh she recently sold out uh, an album and I I can't, I think they were, I think it was vinyl that she sold. Uh, and I think that they were signed and there was like 250 of those. Those are selling for insane prices. Um, mm-hmm. another example from this week would be the Wilson basketball. Did you happen to see the new Wilson basketball? The all-star editions, right? No, or uh, the- Super Bowl editions. No, the, I'm talking the Wilson airless basketball oh yes i did see that okay yeah so there were there were also somebody somebody did an usher version that was also wilson yeah okay yeah and those those also uh, exploded in in the resale market after market yeah they did that one that one is kind of a trifecta of perfection in my opinion you've got usher who is popular recently left his residency in las vegas did the super bowl which I don't know, you probably know, but a lot of people probably don't know. People who perform at the halftime show, they do it for free. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people, I think, I would imagine a lot of people think that that those acts get paid pretty good money. But the NFL somehow talked them into doing it 100% for free. But yeah. all the stuff that they can sell afterwards makes up for it. I would imagine Usher yeah. probably got a cut of those Wilson footballs that sold. Um, and 
last year, Rihanna, uh, for like three seconds, held up her makeup, and they said that it it sold something like seven million dollars of makeup yep. uh, within a couple hours of that happening. Um, so, I mean, the power is is definitely worth going and per- performing for free. Uh, but the the Wilson Airless Basketball, they dropped two hundred and fifty of them for twenty five hundred dollars a piece. <laughs> and I have seen them reselling on eBay for $5,000 and up because people want to get their hands on one so bad. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, these- and it's, it's that, you know, and, and not to, uh, just to make sure we didn't lose anybody with, with the, the, the political spin, you really have to remove the politics from it because the, the bigger lesson, like you're talking about is, is the opportunity, you know, you need to mm-hmm. see, you know, you need to know what the market is. And and I'll give you an even simpler example, um, something not flashy at all. We might lose people because of my take on this. But uh, <laughs> I, I personally, I think organic food and, and non-GMO labeled foods are complete BS. Um, you know, if you're, you're if you follow my, my personal socials, I, I, I get a bit vocal about it. Um, I, I think it's just a marketing scheme, you know, and and and. Uh, but whatnot, don't, you know, I can hear uh, radios clicking off right now uh, in, in <laughs> YouTube windows closing. But I sell a ton of it, right? And mm-hmm. and I love to sell it because the market that believes in this, that that believes that it, it it's healthier overall, know that they have to pay more, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's what I want to tap into. That's why I look anything, if it says organic on it, I pay a little bit extra attention to it. You know, because I yeah. know there, there's extra money in it. And that's just that's the everyday example of of, you know, kind of siphoning down what you're talking about with these big releases. Um, you know, it, it's it's all over the place. It's a little bit more common than maybe we realize. Oh, absolutely. I mean, heck, look at every single Scotty Cameron drop. Uh, yeah. For those of you who may not know, Scotty Cameron is a golfer uh, who's, you know, rather famous at this moment, you know, but every single one of his drops seem to absolutely crush in the resale market. Um, well, even now, if you, and if you see one of his old putters at eBay, I mean, they, they retain mm-hmm. so much value because oh, yeah. I, and I don't to the non golfers out there. Um, it, the very last thing you will ever blame as a golfer is your own swing, your own technique, right? Correct. So it's, it, it's constantly the club or, you know, maybe your, your, if your golf glove gets a hole in it, that clearly affects your rotation and, and, you know, your, your, your mechanics and, and it'll easily throw you off plane with, with your backswing, um, BS alerts going off right now, yep. <laughs> but, but we blame everything except ourselves, you know, so that golfers are, are, um, excellent consumers. They get, they get very, very good grades, um, because they're always willing to buy, you know, better quality or a new version. Um, yeah. And, and like, there is no putter. Like I, I'm realistic. I'm a terrible putter. Mm-hmm. Uh, short game in general is just, it's pathetic. It's like, I've never played the game before. It, <laughs> it, it flies in the face of, of my personal experience of, of playing since I was a kid. Uh, I know there's no putter that, that uh, is going to help, uh, you know, get the, get the ball in the hole. Um, but, there are plenty of people out there that will, that will try, you know, and, and Absolutely. you just, maybe you just need a, a, a different look as you look down, you know, and 
you know, it's, it's not the, it's not the 50 bucks that you got riding on it, you know, and your sweaty palms, you know, and, and your buddy in the, in the golf carts, who's going to make fun of you if you miss that four footer, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love being, being told, you know, eight times around to hit it with my handbag next time because I, I pulled <laughs> up short, uh, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, now I, one other thing I want to say is the, the Trump, the Trump sneaker, that one was kind of an over the top example. Uh, and, and talking about this kind of stuff, you don't have to sacrifice your, your own personal ethics or anything like that to, to make a buck. Uh, there, there just, there's so many different opportunities. Uh, like I know people who absolutely will not sell anything, uh, even remotely related to the say firearms category. Uh, and that's fine. They're going to be they're going to be things that are just as profitable in the sports category and and the tools and home improvement and and all kinds of things. You know, you see that with every time Chip and Joanna Gaines drop a new uh, uh, you know spoon holder at Target, uh, people go absolutely nuts for them. So now there's there's other there's another little news that came out this week and. I don't know. I haven't seen much fanfare over it, but I found it really, really interesting. It's something I've been actually been waiting to see drop for uh, a week or two. Walmart came out with their Q4 numbers and their 2023 numbers. And Walmart is kind of crushing. They hit 100 billion in e-commerce sales in 2023. And I know that, you know, for those of us who are, you know, Amazon sellers, uh, it's okay. Those are rookie numbers. Let's get those up. Uh, because that's, that's under 20% of what Amazon does in a year, but they're making progress. The growth was really good. I think they grew something like 20% year over year with their e-commerce numbers. And that's solid. And that's an opportunity for anybody who wants to have some multi-channel opportunities. Um, matter of fact, I, I should, I want to shout out a guy that we both know, Joey Wheeler, you, you know, Joey on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. The guy, his hustle seems to be unmatched. A couple of weeks ago, he got suspended on Amazon and he immediately pivoted and made sure to get open a Walmart account and sell on eBay. And now he's crushing on both Walmart and Amazon and he's continuing eBay. Um, and it's just, it's a testament to it, to his hustle, but it's also a testament to the opportunity that's out there because Walmart's still kind of like the wild West, the early days of Amazon. So, Mm -hmm. but one of the other things that I found really interesting is I'd heard some analysts say that Walmart or sorry, Amazon may overtake Walmart in total gross merchandise volume pretty soon. And I was like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I figured we still had a few more years because Walmart's massive. There's like 75% of the country is within 10 miles of a Walmart. Well, last year, 2023, Amazon did $574 billion in total retail sales. Walmart's numbers came in at just over 600 billion. It was, it's like $605 billion. So 
Amazon doesn't have to go that far until they're bigger than Walmart in, in terms of total sales, which boggles my mind. Who would have thought that 15 years ago? Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's almost like two opposite, opposite points. You know, they're, they're each getting on each other in, in different aspects, but um, I think collectively those two bits uh, and, and Walmart's numbers in, in these reports, uh, they were very good, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the stock price jumped. Um, you know, these are very, uh, very positive. I think they beat uh, analyst estimates and whatnot. And, you know, you kind of go back to, to the landscape as it is. You know, you kind of have a bunch of people still thinking the economy stinks and, and um, plenty of people think, a, you know, a recession, you know, it's, it's kind of changing the wording now to a soft landing now as people are coming around that, that, you know, the, the indicators simply aren't there. Uh, but we know in the, the consumer's mind, you know, they're kind of the last person to get that information that, you know, mm-hmm. no, the economy isn't that bad. You know, they, they like to kind of hang on. You, you like to place the negativity in your own life and, and hang as much on the economy as you can sometimes. But, um, but look at the retail landscape, you know, look at how many, uh, you know, brick and mortar retail shops are, are closing their doors or, um, you know, everything's behind cases, you know, with, with the Walmarts and, or, uh, Walgreens, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I think CVS is doing it. Um, Rite Aid is scheduled to close a whole bunch, uh, which Walgreens owns them, but, uh, you know, it, it's not a rosy picture as far as brick and mortar retail goes, you know? So for, for Walmart to come out with these numbers, I mean, sure. A lot of it is, is owing to the, the e-commerce, uh, success, but, um, that's pretty strong. You know, it, it's a good indication you know, like if you're, you know, if you're in tune to, to those Amazon sellers that, you know, knew Amazon before it was cool, you know, so to speak, you know, you hear those stories of getting in early. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of consider if this is the entry point for, for Walmart, you know, if it, because it's not like it's a, a startup, you know, it's not this, this young company, you know, that you're not sure. You know, I mean, we pretty much know how Walmart rolls, you know, so if they actually get this right and something clicks into gear, you could easily see it exploding. But then at the same time, Amazon continues to, you know, I, I don't know, this is like the the Mark McGuire, <coughs> Sammy Sosa home run chase, you know, it's like the two of them. I forget who was in third place, but um, they're pretty far behind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't I mean, I don't I don't ever see anybody catching up of course, to Amazon and Walmart. Um, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Walmart's going to have a lot of catching up to do in the logistics side. Uh, and that's, that's what, in my opinion, would keep them from, from being able to ever outpace Amazon is, is just because how far behind they must be there. Um, but I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see over the next five years, uh, how this battle goes down. Yep. And hopefully we're along for the ride, making money. Right. Um, all right. So let's 25 minutes of us blathering on let's, let's talk about (laughs) capital. Okay. So, I mean, everyone aspires to be, you know, I want to be a million dollar seller. Uh, and, and in the research for this episode, Chris pulled out a really interesting point. If you want to sell a million dollars on Amazon, you need to have somewhere between 400,000 and 600,000 to buy inventory to get there. 
Now, the cool thing about an Amazon business that you couldn't necessarily do in a regular brick and mortar business is that because of the speed at which you can churn your inventory inventory over, you don't necessarily need 400,000 in cold hard cash uh, in your pocket because you've got something like the speed of money. And so let's let's talk about that first. You know, you can start with $500. Matter of fact, if you, uh, I, I started with less than $500 when I started selling on Amazon. Uh, and if you read threads on Twitter or anywhere else, uh, you're going to see that kind of thing quite a bit. You know, you can start with X amount of dollars. Um, but you need to be aware of how to grow that capital as quickly as possible. And one of those ways is, is the speed of money. Now we've got a we've got a loose rule here on the show where we don't do public math, but I'm going to break that for today. And fortunately, I have this written down. Although I'm sure someone will will say in the comments your math was wrong here or there. So if any math is wrong, that's the way it is. I'm not good at it, and I don't have ChatGPT up to to fix my math <laughs> equations here. All right, but. Let's just imagine that you start with $100 to spend on inventory and you go buy a set of rules that was given to you and you require a 50% ROI, okay? Uh, and you don't, that's it, 50% ROI. And you're able to flip your capital one time every 60 days, which that's a lot faster than you could in a brick and mortar business, all right? Uh, most brick and mortar, uh, you know, Target, Walmart, stuff like that, they're looking to turn their inventory something like 3.2 to four times per year. Uh, the last time I, I went and studied this, uh, if you flip your inventory once every 60 days, that would be six times a year. Okay. So you take that hundred dollars, you multiply it by the 1.5 and to the power of six or six inventory turns. And at the end of 12 months, you can take that $100 and you would have approximately $1,139. You would have 11 x your money, okay? But there is a world where you can actually cut your ROI requirements in half to 25% and you can beat that 11-time growth, okay? And it's just by increasing the speed at which you turn your inventory. If you turn your inventory over one time every 30 days, which is doubling, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, okay? You now multiply that $100 by 1.25 to the 12th power, all right? And at the end of 12 months, you'd have approximately $1,455. You would have 14 times your money. Now... I know what someone will say, you know, what if this and what if that? This assumes everything went perfectly. There were no bad buys. There were no returns. There was no lost inventory because I cannot account for those things in this kind of math. All right. But the numbers hold true. Okay. And this, in my opinion, this is probably one of the reasons that is selling on an online marketplace, specifically Amazon is really one of the best ways to start a business with very little capital that, you know, available to you. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Chris? 
yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, it, people need to be, you know, you need to be cognizant of what it takes to get to where you want to go. You know, it, it's like I said in the beginning, you talk about, you can find a whole bunch of stuff on social media about if you have a couple hundred dollars or, or you know, and the wholesale people talk about just a couple thousand dollars to get started. Uh, and then, you know, there's this huge gap between that, you know, the, the entry, the, the price of entry, and then you get to the million dollar sellers, you know, and, and nobody seems to talk about that middle section because I don't think that sells courses and, and, and coaching and whatnot, you know, but that's that's what we want to get to. And, and you know, talking about the speed of money, like I'm glad you covered it because you've, you've done it so well um, you know, on your on your different channels. Uh, yeah, it's it's actually in the execution. You know, you can't be you know, you can't be casual about this. If your goal is to scale. You really have to pay attention to the turnover um, and, and you really have to concentrate on getting the money to work for you. You know, this if you want to start with a little bit of money, but and you want really big orange numbers in the end. You can't waste time with the, the little bit of money that you do spend in there. It's all it's about this turnover. And tell me if you agree with this. You know, people, we go through waves of, uh, you know, we'll never not complain about price tankers. Um, but I do believe that at least a portion of them, a portion of some of those downward pricing trends could possibly be people focusing on higher turnover rates, you know? And then I mm -hmm. think once, once it actually gets, gets too low and, and, you know, the part where you're slamming your fist on the desk, you know, when you look up the pricing, you know, I think those are people who don't execute it properly. Um, mm -hmm. but I think a lot of, a lot of downward pressure on pricing is not only the volume of sellers coming in, but it's also the concept of people willing to take a little bit less ROI in order to turn it faster. Um, yeah. I think some of that is smart strategy. Some of it is also, uh, inexperienced sellers with a, a plum payment coming up that they're, they're getting a little sweaty under the pits, but, you know, I think at least some of it is. Uh, strategically uh, sound. I, I would agree with that. And the reason I would agree with that is that I heard a story uh, about a person who was using a repricer and right off the bat, like the minute their inventory checked in, uh, they always, they always priced their inventory higher than the buy box on the way in to Amazon. But the moment their inventory went live, their repricer was set that their minimum was a 0% ROI, okay? Now, that doesn't mean that that's what their inventory sold for, okay? That's just the lowest price that it could go for. Uh, they wanted to make a profit, and, and most of their inventory, we'll say, you know, 80 85% of it sold for much higher than that 0%. But they they were completely focused on inventory turn. And I think that they're, I think they were turning over their inventory on average once every 14 days. They were, wow. they're doing retail arbitrage, buying it that day. Uh, at nighttime, it was all packed and shipped into Amazon. Uh, and, you know, by the time it would get live and, you know, things like that, they were selling out within 14 days of buying their inventory in a lot of cases. Um, that's incredible. It, absolutely. And there's not another platform 
where you could do that. Uh, and a lot of people would seem to get upset with them because, oh, well, 0% ROI, that's that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But even if they're just getting a 10% ROI on their money, but they're able to turn that money two times a month, that's an insane uh, return on your capital invested right. over the course of 12 months. Yeah. And, and this is how many, you know, newer sellers do you hear with these unrealistic uh, minimum ROI expectations? You know, I, I know I've seen new sellers going, well, I really don't want to sell under 80% ROI. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not realistic. You know, it's yeah. That was, that was always one of the, when I was, you know, teaching a lot of tactical arbitrage, that was, that was probably the number one mistake, uh, is well, I'm only looking for things with a hundred percent ROI or better. You're not going to hit home runs every day. You need the yeah. singles and the doubles, you know? Yeah. And it, it's all, you know, and, and it's, you know, you need to, the more you realize the, the, the value of turning it over and and getting your money moving faster um yeah the the you know you'll get stuck with if you if you have unrealistic you know or if you don't kind of stretch it and realize that that you know turn it over faster is going to make you money and and it allows you to lower your roi percentage it's Mm -hmm. um it's a tough lesson it's kind of counterintuitive you know it's um you know, you, you want to hit the home runs and, and you, you know, maybe you, you get a misconception when you first jump in this business that there are more home runs than than there actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you want that on base percentage where we're, uh, you know, we're playing Billy Bean, you know, money ball here. Right. You know, on on base percentage. And honestly, as as we look at the marketplace mature, I mean, this is where Amazon wants us to go to. And people who go to where the puck is heading are going to be rewarded a little bit more often. Uh, we've got a lot of sports analogies uh, today, so apologize <laughs> if, if you are not into sports. Uh, you know, but let's see Amazon, how many sports we can throw in. Right? <laughs> Amazon does not want to hold on to our inventory. They want inventory to be in and out as quickly as possible, and. And we know that they may not come out right out and say it, but we know that by the fees that they're charging and, and have charged, you know, there are, there are storage fees based on your cubic foot being your cubic footage being used. Now there's low level or low inventory level fees. Uh, you know, there's long-term storage fees. There's, there's all these fees that make it very clear that Amazon wants your stuff in and out as quickly as possible. Uh, and so moving in that direction and kind of going where Amazon wants you to go is not necessarily a bad move. You may not like it. I, I get that. You know, I'd love to yeah. be able to just stuff 50,000 books, you know, on FBA shelves and just sell books for the next 10 years. Uh, but it's just not a business model that really works for FBA at scale anymore. Um, right. Now, the next thing we should talk about is you need to be able to, I don't know, let's, we should probably call this the, the ramen noodle business plan. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the less that you can take out of your business and the more profit that you can reinvest, 
the faster you can grow and, and the faster you can have that capital available to you that you need. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm probably have never really been great at this, but I'm curious, what do you do in terms of reinvesting your profits into the business? I, I throw as much, um, back into it as possible. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, so, so it would basically let's start with a summary, uh, in order to make more money on Amazon, you need to make less money on your Amazon business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like if you want to, if you want money, you need to not take any, um, it's like a, a you know, some sort of weird karate kid kind of thing going on there. <laughs> but, uh, um, no, I, you know, I started part-time and, and I think I still haven't written that Twitter thread. Um, I haven't written anything in Twitter, uh, in a while. Um, but I, I, I think it's such an advantage to be able to start this part-time, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of the, the safety net from your full-time income and the ability to reinvest everything, you know, uh, it's such a huge advantage if you could take, you know, take the, the, the heaviest risk out of play by keeping a full-time gig. You know, not only are you making your, your, the set of mistakes that every new seller is going to make and has to get through, um, whichever they're, they're different for everybody, but you know, they're going to be a, a series of them. Um, you know, you're, you're learning the ropes, you're getting your reps in, um, nothing's going to be too devastating, you know, as long as you don't make silly, uh, decisions and, and take big risks with, on an inventory basis. Um, yeah. And, and it, it affords you. Uh, you, you get some uh, uh, abilities to scale that, you know, if, if you need this income, you know, if you're forced to, um, you know, pay your bills through your Amazon, you know, th- it's going to handcuff you a little bit as far as uh, scale. You know, it's going to take extra effort to make up for that. Um, you know, not the speed of money is, is, is probably a sibling to compounding, you know, that's mm-hmm. essentially a, uh, you know, what we're talking about, they're closely related. Um, and you know, if, if anything, if, you know, if you've read about 401k loans, you know, it's not only simply the money that you take from it, it's the, that the fact that you're missing out on the compounding of, of that money as well. Um, you know, the, the eighth wonder of the world, I think that was Benjamin Franklin that, that, that said that, uh, mm. compounding is, is the eighth wonder. Um, so yeah, so, so as much as you can put back in, uh, the better. Um, especially in the context that we're talking about wanting to scale, wanting to get to those numbers. If you don't want to throw extra capital in from your personal funds, you know, or, or sources that you have to find external to your own business, it's gotta be the profits being put back in, get them, (coughs) get them as fast as you can and, and put as much of them back in to more inventory. um, Absolutely. That you can. Yeah. And, yeah, saying this, I'm not, I think that you should pay yourself a little bit, uh, you know, even from the very beginning, yeah. you know, proof uh, of concept, sure. Yeah, you, there's a proof of concept there. Uh, you should get a little bit of reward, uh, you know, for doing the work and, and things like that, you know, and I mean, if you read, um, oh, shoot. I forget Mike McCallowitz's book, uh, Profit First. Profit First. Yeah. You read Profit First, you know, it. one of the buckets is paying yourself, you know. 
Uh, but right. you don't have to pay yourself a six figure salary, you know, buy yourself a, a cup of coffee every time you get paid or, or something like that and, and reinvest what you can. Um, yeah. In the beginning yeah. I used to take just uh, like I would, I trigger, I've always triggered payouts, uh, every week from Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I'm set up, I have daily available to me. Um, and then it'll, it'll automatically do it every two weeks, but I end up doing it just every week. Um, kind of it, cause it matched my eBay payouts. They do it once oh, a week yeah. as well. So I, I wanted everything to flow in around the same time. But, um, early on when I decided, when I took, it was essentially the, you know, what you just talked about, you know, making sure you have a little something, you know, it's not, uh, I wasn't building an income off of it, but I would take chunks of that payout and put it into a business savings account, which if you don't have one, you know, whatever bank you use for business checking probably has a very simple uh, uh, method to, to open up a free savings account. Uh, and I would just throw chunks in just little bits each week, you know, and, and then at the end of the year, whether it was like a Christmas fund or, you know, if I wanted to do it at the end of the calendar year or, or whenever, um, you could take it all at once. Yeah, so it was a pretty decent chunk doing it on a regular basis. You know, it was mm-hmm. basically you, you didn't miss it, you know, when, when you pulled it out, but uh, on a weekly basis, but you know, after a period of time, you know, so it felt a little bit more rewarding, you know, I like that. So that that's yeah, how I, like I handled it. Yeah. I'll tell you one of the, one of the best ways to, to kind of build up some cash in my opinion, anyway, especially, you know, I know you have daily payouts. I have daily payouts. It, they seem to be, they seem to be more frequent for people these days than they were even three or four years ago, uh, but daily payouts. Um, yeah. But merchant fulfilling, this is, this is something you can do. I mean, to really make money almost on demand, if you know how to source, uh, you know, if we, if we go out, actually I'll use, I'll use an example in real life that's happening right this very second. <coughs> Walgreens is having buy one, get one free sales on a lot of items. Okay. Now you're listening to this now and you're going to go look and you're going to say, well, that's not true. Well, you're right. It's going to be the week before, you know, while we're recording this episode, but at this very moment I can go and I can get these gummy uh, vitamins that are buy one, get one free. There's another 20% off coupon code. Uh, and then I'll get 4% cash back and, you know, another 2% on my, um, on my credit card. So I can stack all that up. Now I know that there are, there's something like eight, uh, FBA sellers on this current listing that I was looking at earlier today, but the buy box in my area was a merchant fulfilled seller, uh, makes about 12 bucks for every sale that's, that's being made. And this thing sells something like 1400 units, according to softwares that are out there per month. I don't take that with a grain of salt. This thing's selling pretty well. Okay. It won't be too long that you won't be able to FBA these particular vitamins anymore. They will only be merchant fulfilled. And all of those sellers who are FBAing right now will probably forget that the item is profitable and actually be usually becomes a little bit more profitable in the summertime. And in my opinion, it's not something that like, I'm not really worried about shipping it when it's 75 degrees out. I'd be more worried about shipping it when it's 110 degrees out 
based on you know the research I've done. So I can go at this sale and the next sale, grab these things, make twelve to fifteen dollars per sale in profit, probably sell them all the same day from my local Walgreens and ship them out and then be paid and get paid the very next day. Uh, if that's not like, I don't know, that almost feels like it should be illegal. <laughs> right. And that's, that's the key thing. Now, uh, despite uh, the names that my wife calls me and, and the stuff that my friends talk about, I am not an MFer, but um, the, the, the key to merchant fulfilled FBM is that next day payout. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get your money so much faster. Um, you know, for people that didn't realize that. Um, and again, it feeds into the very first thing that you talked about, the speed of, of money. You know, it doesn't get, it doesn't get any faster than that. Right. And yeah. not in, not in the Amazon world. Um, and it's, it's actually, uh, somebody framed it. Somebody framed it as a way to, to build, uh, I don't know if they're talking about a, a stable of replens or whatnot, but essentially the, they want, they suggest your test buys be merchant fulfilled. Uh, whenever possible, when it, it has to make sense, you know, obviously there's, we're taking the sourcing uh, skill out of it, you know, but, you know, kind of talking about that part in a vacuum. Um, but when it makes sense, actually do your test buys merchant fulfilled. So then by the time, so you've actually gotten the profit, you know, you've gotten your, you know, your buy cost and the profit back already when you go to make the next purchase, you know, of a higher volume uh, mm-hmm. to send in. Now that it doesn't work for this this gummy example, obviously, because that's uh, multiple seasons is going to um, put a hitch in the giddy up there. But uh, um, but that's actually but so that's the concept. And then a lot of people, if you, if listeners aren't familiar with it, a lot of people talk in Q four a lot. Uh, that's kind of the height of the the merchant fulfill um, talk. You know, mm-hmm. if you find something, and also we've seen examples uh, that lead us to believe, um, if not full blown proof that during Q4, Amazon will um, merchant fulfilled gets a bigger share of the buy box, you know, or at least more often uh, because it becomes, you know, the, the deliverability, uh, you know, the, 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 the shorter period of time, getting it to the customer as fast as possible takes precedent. Um, yeah. You know, as we get closer to Christmas. And honestly, I'm curious, you know, over the next year, does that, does that change become something that's a little bit more common outside of Q4? You know, we know that, you know, Amazon is changing to their, their spoken wheel or what do they call it? They didn't call it spoken wheel, flywheel, uh, method of distribution and speed is the most important thing to them. That's, that's why there is this, you know, low level inventory and inbound, uh, shipping fees and things like that. Um, because they want distributed inventory, but if speed is the most important thing to them and you use things like zero day handling and, uh, and stuff like that, why would Amazon not give you the buy box locally? If you are competitive with FBA seller, you know, I, I don't see why not. Uh, right. In all honesty, it, it makes the most sense for them. If you've got a good track record of shipping, and you're not taking up any space in their warehouse, you know, and you can get it to the customer in a day or two days, 
Like it just it just seems to make sense. They they may make less commission, but they've got a heck of a lot less overhead in terms of storing, shipping, handling your inventory when you do all of it. Um, no, right. no, that's something I've I've been thinking about lately. That I would imagine that that over the next year or so, FBM becomes something that is uh, even more powerful outside of Q4 than it has been in the past. Now, and devil's advocate to that is maybe it becomes more common or, or, or Amazon favors it a little bit more often. But if this infrastructure, if the changes that Amazon's making to the FBA infrastructure with this inventory placement, if they if they fine tune that, it may not become more common because they've simply shortened the period of time from when you click the button to, you know, to complete your yeah. purchase to when it's actually in your hand. You know, if, if they can get those drones, uh, you know, to, to drop it on your front porch two hours after you, you know, after you bought it. Right. That uh, that's a wrinkle in the FBM uh, growth yeah, cycle. That would be interesting. Um, <laughs> now we should, we should probably touch on probably, I would imagine most Amazon sellers favorite thing. They're possibly the second favorite topic that I see people talk about other than selling on Amazon is credit cards. Uh, you know, yeah. there are, there are some people who absolutely live on their cashback credit cards. There are people who travel hack and go all over the world. Uh, and it's an excellent form of capital if, right. if used properly. Uh, so anyone, anyone who ever says, oh, you know, 29% interest isn't so bad, uh, is, <laughs> is lying to you. Okay. Can you, can you beat 29% interest, uh, you know, based on turning inventory over? Yeah, you probably can, but not for very long because it will snowball out of control. Uh, but I know for myself and for Chris, Credit cards have been an excellent source of capital through the years when I didn't have other methods of of attaining capital. Um, and the benefits can be incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, this, this is not an Amazon business, but I do know of a business that gets $300,000 a year in cash back from their credit card. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, depending on depending on who you ask and you know how willing your CPA is to go to jail uh, <laughs> is whether or not that is completely untaxable money uh, or if it's something you need to, uh, to tell the IRS about. So talk to your own CPA about that, but there are lots of ways yeah. to use cash back uh, outside of outside of your business. So um, I guess what, what tips do you have or, or what would you tell people to do with credit cards in, in their Amazon business? Um, well, it, in general, I tell them to be careful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, it, I hope, you know, people listen as, as we're going through these tips, you know, I, I think the, the ways to get hung up, are, are pretty clear. We're not addressing them because that's not the theme of the show. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to talk about obtaining the capital. Obviously there's, there's risk involved, you know, it's, and even with the speed of money, you know, we go back to the new seller that, that, you know, doesn't want anything below 80% ROI. You're going to have some stale inventory. If, if, 
you know, if you hold hard to that, if that's a hard line uh, requirement, you know, the, it's a dynamic marketplace. Prices are going to change. They're going to dip below where you want it to be, whether it's reasonable or unreasonable. And if it's unreasonable, you're sitting on inventory and that stuff's not going to turn. And if you bought that inventory on a credit card, now you've got interest tacked on to it. You know, not only is it storage fees and, and Amazon fees from uh, that you have to deal with with slow moving inventory. Um, now you have to deal with interest uh, depending on how you purchased it. So, um, yeah, it's it's no joke. Like it, it's not good to carry a, a credit card balance. That's um, you know, in, in the spirit of, you know, th this is, it, it's probably the quickest way. A credit card is the quickest way to throw some extra zeros on your sourcing budget. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's about the, the easiest, uh, most accessible way to become flush with sourcing capital, um, for any seller, regardless of, of experience level. Um, because the the business cards, you know, you don't have to establish your business if if you know if you if you're not familiar with it, um, you can you apply with your personal credit, um, depending on the card that you're applying for, you know. But in gen most of the cards that I've applied for have just gone on personal uh, credit scores. Mm -hmm. So if you've got just you know fairly decent credit, um, you know you shouldn't have too many issues, um, and and you can instantly go from well I started with five hundred bucks. You know, built that up, throwing the profits back in. If you got a decent credit score, you can apply for a business card, and then all of a sudden, you've got ten or fifteen thousand dollars plus the five hundred. You know, to, to buy inventory. You know, so in the in the theme of this episode, uh, a way to scale up. You know, th this is uh, you know one of the prime ways to do it if you haven't done it already. Absolutely. But um, but there's the the whole timing issue. You know, there, there's you know, we know, you know how Amazon pays out, you know, that, that, you know, there, there's a, a lag period, um, as far as when that money comes, the FBA part, um, not the FBM, obviously, like we just talked about, but you know, it, there's a bit of an orchestration that has to be done between keeping these balances paid off or, you know, paying them off on a, on a, you know, responsible, uh, pace yeah. and, and the payouts. So it's, yeah. there is a dance to be done, but uh, it's a, it's a great method overall. Yeah. And, and make sure you're getting the credit card that works for you. Like, yeah, it's credit mm -hmm. score is going to be a factor, you know, of course. So you know, maybe you're not getting a, a, you know, the top level American express, but maybe you are getting a, an American express plum, which has the benefit of having 60 days to be able to pay off your balance. Um, that can be helpful for cash flow. Mm -hmm. There are, some credit cards that offer, you know, I think two and a half percent cash back over $5,000 spends, um, you know, but maybe you just want to travel mm -hmm. too. don't sometimes the travel perks are better on a, like a per point to dollar value than a cash back card would be. Um, now I'll be honest with you. Right. People start talking about travel hacking and this is how many, you know, pennies each point is worth. And, I, I want to care, but I also, it's just, it's not in me. Um, and so I tend to, I tend to get blank when that kind of stuff happens. Uh, but I am, I am sort of jealous, you know, that I, that other people are, are doing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, just do the best thing for you and, and really be careful. I've seen, 
I don't think you see it a lot because most people aren't going to tell you if it happens, but I've seen two or three people who've been very open and honest and just be like, you know what? I screwed up. I, I spent way too much on credit cards. I, I wasn't, you know, sourcing well and I had to throw in the towel and I'm going to pay this off and I don't know, maybe I'll try something else. Um, yeah. Be honest. Plus with how many, you know, how many people that, that, how many people that, that say, ah, oh, Amazon's a scam are actually mm-hmm. people who mismanage their, their credit card balances and, you know, just kind of, exactly. Uh, because you know, we've never learned got the out butter, of the, not the swing out of the, the debt. Exactly. Hey, we got to, can we fit curling in as a, <laughs> that's the next sport we should try to fit in somewhere. It's gotta I, be an I, analogy see if or we bowling. Can do that. Uh, <laughs> you, you set it up and I'll knock them down. Um, <laughs> So this is this next one is is one that I don't uh, I don't really I've never done before, but uh, I know you have. And that would be a business line Mm -hmm. of credit, something I probably should do. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the process and I guess maybe the good, the bad and the ugly about getting a business line of credit? Yeah, now, now my experience with business lines of credit is a little bit different than what you see most of the time, you know, because uh, um, I think a whole bunch of sellers, uh, you know, probably the majority of sellers are going to get some sort of offer from Amazon themselves, you know, little windows pop up and they offer, uh, you know, they partner with companies like Marcus. Um, and uh, I, I forget some of the other names uh, I've, I've hidden those. Cause I don't, I, I can't stand the temptation. Um, but the, and, and those will be repaid through your Amazon payouts. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. I've never, I've never taken one of those. Um, you hear good and bad. Um, I've actually used to hear a lot of good, you know, a lot of people saying how beneficial it was. And only recently now am I starting to hear, uh, some people saying that, that, that maybe it's not the best route to go. So that's for you to determine. Um, my experience with business lines of credit was actually through the SBA, the small business, uh, association. Um, I, I went through, I, I opened up my business checking account, accounts, plural, um, which is another profit first uh, uh, reference there. Um, but I actually went in person and, and the manager that I was dealing with at, at, in the branch was, um, was a good guy. You know, we got along well. Um, and it was kind of through the questions. He's like, well, what, you know, what are you doing? You know, because it's when, when you kind of set down your financials, it's not always uh, apparent. <laughs> what exactly we do. Um, so it just through conversation, he's like, Oh, you know, I got a, you know, he knew somebody that, that did it too. So he's a little bit familiar with, with the business model. Uh, and so, and I was setting up a checking account, but he threw this out there. He goes, you know what? Um, the SBA has got some really good stuff. And I don't know if this is maybe, um, pandemic related or, you know, kind of like residual, um, credit availability, uh, you know, due to, due to the circumstances that, that they were trying to counteract or not, but, or maybe it's just how it is. But basically he told me about, um, an SBA backed business line of credit. And this is through, I bank, I, my business banking is, is in Huntington bank. Um, so, but you'll want to check with your local branch if they have, um, access to SBA products, but essentially it was all I needed to show them was a year of Amazon sales. And 
that you know you get a you get a lot of uh, you hear a lot of flack about the orange bars, but apparently the SBA only cares about the, the orange bars. Hmm. They don't want their they don't need to know about your expenses or whatnot. It is gross sales over twelve months on hmm. Amazon is all I needed to show as far as business, um, uh, you know, business numbers. Um, now it is it, it it's a little bit more paperwork. You know, it's not going to be you know click a button on Amazon and you're instantly approved based on things that Amazon has already determined or has access to quickly. Um, it, it is a process. It's a old fashioned, um, in the bank, it could be done over email, you know, but there's paperwork. Um, but if you get through that, um, uh, which I did and actually got an SBA loan, which is really nice that it's through the same bank that I have my business checking accounts through you know, and that savings account that I talked about. So it's all, it's all on the same page of, of my online banking and I can just pay it, pay it as you go. And it's, it's essentially, a, you know, a line of credit, if you're not familiar is, is basically a credit card, um, except it's, um, the collateral is business, you know, it, it would be your inventory and whatnot. You know, it's not a, uh, uh, not a, what's secure and it, it it's a secured loan, you know, based on the, on the value of your business and any assets that your business would have. So, um, but it works in the same, same way. I can draw money out. I pay money in, um, you know, and, and I can actually, I'll do it all online, just make a request and it flows immediately to my checking account. And then I send it wherever it needs to go from there. Um, it's, it's like a five year draw period uh, with, as long as everything goes okay, um, you, they said you can renew that pretty easily um, over and over again is, is how he made it sound. So you can get five-year periods. If worst case scenario, that five-year draw period where you're pulling money and paying it off ends, and then it would go into repayment where basically it becomes fully amortized to mm. where I forget what the term is after that. Um, I don't know if they give you five or 10 years to pay it off, but they basically, they would amortize it over that period of time to where it would end up as a zero balance is what that means. Um, so you're not, but in that five-year draw period, you're only making interest only payments. So, um, so yeah, so th there's a ton of flexibility. Um, and he, and I was told I can actually go in each year, you know, every time you get a fresh 12 months of Amazon sales data, Cause I got it in my first year. So that number is pretty low. You know, it's not a very big line of credit when I first started out, you can actually reapply with fresh sales numbers and actually get a bigger line as your business progresses. Oh, that's solid. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. not bad at all. Yeah. That that's another great option, but there is now I was, I happened to be on a live yesterday. Just, it was, I, I ended up subbing in for somebody who was running late and one of the questions I got was, you know, should I use my HELOC or home equity line of credit? Um, <laughs> please do not do that. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't ever use something that's going to put you at risk of losing something like your house or, uh, you know, or anything that, you know, might affect your family or your kids. Uh, but right. that business line of credit is, is I, I may, I may have to go look into that now. Yeah. It, never, it was so easy. I mean, I, yeah. It was intimidating because I thought there was going to be so much to it, but yeah, well, it really I mean, wasn't you, as difficult. If you read all the, you know, there's probably two or three SBA guys I follow uh, on social media. 
I think one of them is uh, is like an SBA attorney, and two of mm-hmm. them are like SBA loan guys. And I mean, they make it seem like an absolute nightmare uh, to do anything. Well, know, I think directly from the SBA, it's uh, yeah, it's really confusing. I mean, they're not. Um... You know, if they were a cell phone, they would not be, uh, you know, user friendly. <laughs> it would not be uh, the app menu would, would be a mess. But um, oh, and, and to cap everything off, even with the prime rate increases, that business line of credit right now is sitting at ten and a half percent. So oh, that's solid. Yeah. yeah. If you do have some credit card debt that, that you're carrying or, or, you know, you get in some, you know, the flow of everything is a little bit off, uh, you know, not quite calibrated the way you need it to be could take that 29% debt and put it on 10 and a half uh, while you pay it off. Um, so, cause every little bit helps, you know, you absolutely, we can't sit here and, and, you know, scribble over, you know, an extra 2% cash back and, and not appreciate the, uh, you know, getting something from 29 to 10%, the impact that that right. would have. Exactly. So, yeah. And that, that is a much better option. I have, I have talked with some people in the past who have, um, they took loans from loan sharks to just get really get their Amazon business up and running. Uh, you know, the guy <laughs> was wearing cowboy boots and, you know, uh, a dress shirt that was unbuttoned down to his navel and, you know, gold chains. The guy was a loan shark, uh, you know, charging like 20% interest back in the day. Uh, uh, but that, that business line of credit is a much better option. Um, now the last thing, and, and this one, this one is going to sound like a no-brainer, but it is it's very easy not to do this. You, people talk about lifestyle creep, you know? You you uh you make some more money and all of a sudden you go from having a paid-off car to well, I I really do need that Beamer or that Mercedes to keep up with the Joneses and now I've got, you know, the 750 or $1000 a month lease payment. Well, there is something very, very similar that happens as you grow in a business. You get business, I don't know, what do we call it? Business lifestyle creep? I don't know. You know, <laughs> but you hear about a tool. Expense account that creep. Fr- right? You hear about a tool that your friend is using. You hear about that new software that's coming out. Uh, and you you grab it. And it's, you know, oh, I don't really worry about this. And then Two and three years later, you're like, oh, I still pay for that. And you haven't touched it. Um, I am I am extremely guilty of this. Matter of fact, we at Mm -hmm. the beginning of the year, we cut a bunch of expenses, both business and personal, uh, just because so many things had creeped in over time. And I mean, the number was a little embarrassing. I could not believe, uh, you know, what we could get rid of. And it's incredibly important to try to run a lean business, especially at the beginning. You know, all you, all you really need is Keepa. It's very helpful to have a profit calculator as well, uh, but you can get away with it because Amazon does have a free one, even though it has a lot to be, uh, it could use some, some brushing up. Uh, but there's a lot of other things you can do to run a lean business, you know? Uh, I saw a great example of this uh, the other day. A uh, guy was sending out a shipment. All of the boxes were used boxes. All right, boxes only cost a buck twenty-five to a buck fifty a piece. But if you're sending out forty or fifty or a hundred boxes at a time, 
that adds up. Uh, if you can get those boxes for free, which is fairly easy to do, it really helps. Just make sure that you're not using liquor boxes. No liquor, no beer boxes. Right. Can't send those in, unfortunately. Um, you know, some other things that you can do to kind of run a lean business is, um, I don't suggest this, but you can let Amazon do some some prep for you. And I don't necessarily mean polybagging, but I do mean like FN SKU stickers. If it's uh, a prep center or letting Amazon do FN SKU stickers, it is cheaper for them to do it. Uh, it's just, I don't trust them with my inventory is the problem. I know other people who do that all the time and it works 100% of the time for them without any issues. Um, but you really, really got to watch the the bottom line and, and those, those creeping expenses. Um, I get, you have any examples of running a lean business? Yeah. Um, as far as like, you know, shipping materials, um, if you're doing OA and, and it's being shipped to your house, uh, you know, things like boxes and dunnage, you know, any, any craft paper that they're using, um, you know, take advantage of, you know, especially, uh, uh, Walmart and Amazon, um, the, the, the item itself compared to the box that it comes in, um, <laughs> there's, there's quite a difference sometimes. Uh, and, and the times that they're going to fill that up with, with craft paper and, and free bubble wrap and air pillows, um, you can take advantage of that, uh, if you have the space, um, mm-hmm. um yeah, that, I, I won't show anyone my garage right now, but, uh, that really, that reminds me about something. And this is something I've, I just totally forgot about till just now. But when we were doing heavy retail arbitrage, we would we would go to uh, a gas station that wasn't too far away that sold newspapers, and they would let us have their day old newspapers for like half price. Okay, nice. Uh, so I think you know, and if it was so, and I would always go on Monday. So the Columbus Dispatch was a buck seventy five on Sundays. Uh, but I would go on Monday and I'd be like, Hey, can I buy yesterday's dispatch, the Sunday dispatch? Uh, and I would get it for half price. So I'd buy every single one I could get. And then we would stuff that those inside of the plastic bags from Meyer, Kroger, Walgreens, et cetera. And we'd use that as dunnage, you know, it was mm-hmm. a heck of a lot cheaper and it works just as well. Yeah. And it's totally within terms of service. Uh, and then there are other ways to cut down on your expenses. Like how many, uh, hopefully everyone is resizing their boxes when they go in Mm -hmm. and trying to make them as small as absolutely possible because you are paying dimensional weight. Uh, and it, it will help to be able to get that, that down. Um, but there are all kinds of ways that you can, you can drop the price or sorry, you can save money here and there. And it's incredibly important. Yeah. And it, and it's all consistent. You know, like I just said, you know, you, you're scrambling over extra percentages on cash back. You need to be scrambling over those couple of inches on the top of the box that you didn't quite fill up um, mm-hmm. because it, it all counts. Um, and here's, here's breaking news. This didn't make it into the beginning session, but uh, for the newer sellers out there, you do not need a Rolo printer. Uh, you know, that's, it, you know, we, we kind of, we, we covered it quickly, but, um, you know, there, there are plenty, depending on how you enter this, this industry and, and who, 
the voices are, the educators and the mentors that, that, you know, whatever channel you fall in that brings you in here, um, you'll probably hear something different from all of them. Uh, but there are ones out there that will sell you, uh, I call them starter kits. Um, you know, and, and there's a, there's a certain amount of them that you see for sale a few months after, uh, uh, sellers that, that, uh, didn't, uh, didn't fare too well. Uh, but you know, I always look at those and like, Hey, I've got a Rolo printer and they always have seem to have so much inventory. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they've got, they've got like the amount of, uh, SKU labels, FN SKU labels that I, you know, it would, it's like a three or four month supply. Like, why did you buy so much? You know, like yeah. that's, it. and I'm not making fun of a, oh, I am, but you know, the, the bigger point than just teasing them is that's capital that could have been inventory, you know? Absolutely. It, it seems maybe trivial, you know, at first or, or just haha, you know, you know, Chris is picking on them, but that could have been the difference between you giving up this venture and selling your equipment to actually having enough money to put back into the, you know, the inventory or, or back into the system, wherever it was that, uh, mm-hmm. where it failed you. It, it, this may not, uh, um, I may not be hitting exactly on the mark here, but you know, if, uh, if you just spend an extra $20 in Rolo labels or Dymo labels or whatever it is, uh, that's $20. You cannot go and spend at Dollar Tree. And I know that I know it's a buck 25 now, but let's go back to the days when everything was a dollar, you could easily find 20 items at the dollar tree that should be able to make you $20 in profit. You know, it might be a little hard, but you can do it. Okay. And I, I mean, it is, it is that kind of mindset in my opinion that, that really will it'll be the differentiator between those who, um, who make it and those who don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, heck how, what, uh, Rockefeller Rockefeller is a, a huge proponent of this. So heck every single, every single major wealthy business owner has been a proponent of this over the years. Sam Walton was a massive proponent of saving every penny. Uh, right. The guy who, um, I always forget his name. The guy who started Costco was the same way. Uh, it was very important to watch the bottom line. Uh, John D. Rockefeller talked about it all the time. Matter of fact, he was a trained accountant before, uh, he started his business. Um, it's massively important. And it's something that I don't think, I know that even I, you know, still don't run as lean of an operation as I probably should. Yeah. You know, and, and, the it's probably cliche by now but you know they say you know rich people they're rich because they don't give away their money frivolously you know it you know the the art of keeping your money is um is a skill equal to obtaining it uh, a lot of the time um you know and and we're 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 still kind of into the new year um you know, we're mid Q1 right now. And so we're not that far away from talking about, you know, resolutions and, and the new year and whatnot. Um, you know, so, so you can echo those, that sentiment, you know, it's take a look, you know, audit your, audit your toolkit, you know, look at, look at what you're spending. Um, you know, like you said, at the beginning of the year, you, you know, you did it uh, with your own finances and, and I do it too. I do it, uh, you know, on a regular basis. It doesn't even have to be a new year. You know, I just kind of 
try to take a fresh look whenever uh, whenever I can periodically. But look at look at the tools that you're paying for, you know. And it's I I actually did it as part of uh, a KPI that I'm building, you know, that I basically want I want to know what my monthly nut is, you know, like what mm-hmm. where's my break even point, you know. I was trying to fine tune that. And, uh, you know, so I was trying to take it, take stuff that I pay annually, you know, divide that into a monthly and, and, you know, just kind of, um, get everything, uh, uh, get everything in line so I could, I could actually measure it a little bit more, more precisely. And that's when I realized that, that there were tools that I was paying for that I wasn't not using them, but I wasn't getting sufficient value, you know, and, and then, and the one example that I used, um, on social media, it, uh, you also have to be aware of the tools that you do have and you use how they improve and how they advance, you know, and there was one tool that I ended up canceling that I realized another tool that I pay for had added features that basically made it redundant. You know, the, the two of them overlap. So I was able to do everything that I was paying, you know, uh, um, not a whole lot of money, but I was, you know, I was paying monthly for, and I could do it with something that 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 was cheaper, um, you know, that I've had even longer than this other tool. So I canceled that and, and you know, I freed up some money that way. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it's, it, it sounds so stupid because I was I kept it longer than I needed to because it was cheap. You know, it, right. it's and that's that's essentially, you know, if there, if there was like one, you know, one frame of mind uh, to summarize, uh, you know, this, this running a lean business concept, you know, is know why you're paying for stuff. You know, it, it's don't just keep something because, well, that's how it's always been. I've always had it. You know, that's that's not a valid reason. Absolutely. So we've got a we've got a quote of the of the week this week, of course. And in my opinion, uh, this one really puts the stone right on target. And there is that curling, uh, uh, for you. That is, uh, so uh, I'd like you to, I'd like you to read this one. Cause I know you can't, you, uh, you did the research on this one. Yeah. It's just, it's flowing right into what we just talked about. Um, the, the quote is beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. Uh, that that's Benjamin Franklin. Um, and, and that's, uh, that is the cherry on top of the, especially the last part that we talked about. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, <laughs> run and lean, you know, it, it's we talked about pre-show, you know, there, there's some people just grab everything, you know, and, and it's like, oh, you know, you can never have too much. And, um, you know, I personally disagree. And I, I apparently Benjamin Franklin disagrees as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I don't know. I like tools. And uh, the problem mm-hmm. is it can become it can just become way, way too much. So. All right, guys, that is the show for the week. Uh, Hopefully you got a little something out of this. And uh, if so, you know, let us know in the comments, uh, you know, leave a leave a note or uh, or hit the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, guys, that's the pod. Thanks for listening to Clear the Shelf with Chris and Chris. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot on your phone and share to Facebook, Instagram, or your favorite FBA group. And be sure to tag me and let me know why you liked it and what you'd like to hear more from us in the future. Also, I'd like to give you some free gifts for listening. Head over to rabbittrailchallenge.com 
and repricerchallenge.com for some free courses to further your business. Thanks for listening.